Welcome to the Blackout Podcast, where I get to talk to amazing people who do amazing things. And today I have my friend and the founder and CEO of Proscenium. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast today, Blanche Israel. You stole Thank my you, last Israel. name. Thank you, Israel. I was like, oh, it's my matchy, daughter. matchy. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so before we get into Proscenium, like I found out the other day, you actually played a cello. So let's start with that. How did you get into playing? I, um, my mom started um, learning violin when I was around five or six. And seeing her do that, I was like, I want to do it too. So I started on violin and I, I ended up going to music camp and discovering the cello. My friend was playing it and I was like, that, what is that? That's Why do you prefer that to the violin? It's just deeper. It uh. sounds like the, the human voice. It's big. I was just completely taken with it. So I started playing. Doesn't the volume, like, okay, so I don't know in the orchestra, but there's going to be like hierarchies in, in mm. the orchestra, right? Isn't it like the violin, like the thing? Well, let me tell you, the cello is at the top of the hierarchy. Oh, is it? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> there's no hierarchy in there the orchestra. Isn't. No, no. Oh, yeah. No. For some reason, you can't, I just thought... You need everybody. Well, yeah, I guess. I guess, <laughs> I guess. Okay, I have to ask this thing. What does the conductor do? The conductor <laughs> is actually, you know, once you're in the orchestra land or opera land, it is the most important person in the room. They, they lead the rehearsals, right? They tell you kind of like how they want it interpreted and they bring everyone together. I, I once played with, I think it was like 350 people, singers and musicians on a stage. How are you going to bring all those people together musically, right? You can't just start playing. So the conductor is leading that. But so much of the conductor's work actually happens in rehearsal. Uh, so when you watch a performance, you're like, what's that for? Maybe the orchestra would be able to play without the conductor at that point. But that's not really the point. Really because to me, right, I'm watching the thing and I'm like, everyone is reading their thing, right? Yeah. So the orchestra, sorry, the conductor doesn't have... Like, you know, what the drama is playing. You know what they I mean? They do. They do. They have this score that has every single line that everybody has. They have it. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what? So, so it's like violin, violin, viola, cello, bass, everything lined up on a page. And if you oh. ever watch them, they turn the page like a hundred times a minute. Like it's like... Oh! Yeah. Yeah, because... And then... And then... Why do... <laughs> Okay, well, let me tell you, I love that you asked this question. So there are different patterns depending, you know, in music, like you've got uh, one, two, or one, two, three, one, two, three, or one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, or one, two, three, four, five, six, right? So you need, first of all, to know where you are in, like, sometimes you get lost. You need to know where you are. But also then there's interpretation that goes into it. But I'm telling you, like, when you have an orchestra, you don't even understand how far some of these people are. Like... Physically, they're just at the other end of the uh, of the stage, and and so if I'm playing cello over here, and you've got like at the other end like the timpani, and we need to be right at the same time, how are you gonna do that? Just stare at each other? Like, it's too many people. But like you're reading the thing, though, right? You're 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 reading. I mean, 
you're more mostly reading when you're when when you're rehearsing. By the time you're performing, you hopefully have it internalized a bit. But you need that coordination, and it's like a coach. It's like yeah, the, the basketball coach is not is not playing basketball. But I think most people understand the importance of the basketball okay, coach. See, you know? now, now and the makes strategy, sense to me, yeah. like during the game, you need strategy, you know, pep talk maybe, like all those things the connected. Because there's this movie, Tar, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's oh, about yeah, Tar, this yeah. conductor. And like, I'm like, what am I? I'm like, this person is just doing this. Yeah. But when you tell me that they have everything on the... I think to me, like, I can't play any music, but I love music. But the thing to me is the, you know, when you read those funny, squiggly things, I think reading that... She music, yeah. Yeah. Like, people that can read that thing are just, you know, like, freaking geniuses to me. It's just a language. It's, it's just like saying, wow, people who speak German are, are geniuses. No, they just learned it. Nah, man. I've tried. You know, first of all, you have to know what the name is and what the line is. and Yeah. Anyway, so you, you found cello. Yeah, and, and then it's, and it's the best, top of the <laughs> top of the pecking order instrument. Okay. Um, yeah, I I studied cello, um, and as I was studying, I was kind of like, you know what? I feel like the way I am and my personality, there's kind of more I can give than just like you. You make a good point. You know, you're you're being silly, but it is true that sitting down and playing music that's written and that's being kind of like conducted for you that's like one sliver of what it is to to make music and what even even just a sliver of what it takes to bring all those people together mm. and i was just interested in um in the bigger picture of that being behind the scenes mm. um in those organizations and then that kind of turned into like an even an even more zoomed out view of kind of cultural strategy like working on the sector as a whole um working with you know partnerships and government and stuff like that and so i went into arts management at the university of toronto and then i um and then i went into kind of working for uh, opera companies and orchestras and stuff and uh then i went into my own thing my own business you know, um, so I'm originally from Nigeria and I mean, I guess there's some kind of supports there for the arts. But then I moved here and I was like, oh, wait, there's this pocket of money somewhere that you can go and apply for and go and just create art. Mm -hmm. It's what? a strange, it's a strange thing. And it's also a little bit um, different in every country or very different in every country and really reflects the way that each country thinks about the importance of the arts within their society. Mm. So like Scandinavian countries, they get it. Quebec is a province that really, really puts a lot more money than the other provinces in culture because of um, the language, the, the language protection, revitalization, you know, and just, just bringing people together around French is important and, um, it's the same thing in Finland, you know. It's places that have uh, something to to preserve or to kind of uh, educate themselves about, so as not to get absorbed into the mainstream, which for a lot of Canada is the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so we have uh, we have systems essentially in Canada and many parts of the world to say yes, like art is 
is essential and it's an essential service. It's also not something that everyone can afford. So uh, how can you make a living, you know, making art? Mm -hmm. And if you need to make a living, you need to make it commercially viable. Are you actually able to have your artistic exploration um, in, in, in a real way? Or are you always going to be skewed towards having to make it like, you know, viable commercially? So that's where grants come in. Right. It's like putting on Jesus Christ Superstar. They actually talked about it yesterday because I went to Jesus Christ Superstar yesterday. Um, they talked about how even with the cost of tickets, there were like thousands of people, believe it or not, in Wolfville in this um, arena for Jesus Christ Superstar for three nights in a row. But still, like with the cost of the ticket, it's it doesn't even cover... It doesn't even cover half of what it would cost, right, to to put this production together. So they get sponsors, they get grants, you know, and they they go after that sort of top up money mm. to be able to to do great great things that mm. are not bound by uh, what is imaginable and what is commercially viable right now. It's like you need that space. So, so that's what grants do, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay. So mine mine is blown. But then um, you find out that it isn't fucking easy to get, you know? So it is there, but there's this whole, like, ladder and, like, fence and all these things. So, <laughs> how you know, navigating that can be difficult for an artist because, you, you know, you have to do your work because you need to get work to, like, pay for your rent and then yeah. pay for the studio or the people that are going to play the mm -hmm. thing you need. And then you now have to make time to actually, because, you know, as an artist, you actually need to chill for the thing to come inside yeah, for you yeah. to create. So there's no time because you have to work. Mm -hmm. And then you are now trying to figure out how to even freaking apply for the grants, which it's like, there's so many forms too. Yeah. So don't even <laughs> get me started about some of these granting organizations expectation on your time like there i'm not going to name the funder but there were like some new grant streams that came out and it was it was like okay we're gonna do um some webinars 90 minute webinar just to learn how to even apply for this grant it's like it should not even take me 90 minutes to apply for this grant like hello mm. it's the, you know this is i should be able to essentially write down what it is I'm thinking. If I don't know what my project yet is, then that's one thing. Mm. I need to go back and do some work. I'll take mm. some time. I'll figure it out. But once you know, you should be able to sit down, answer the questions, submit it, and go. And that shouldn't even take, in my opinion, an hour and a half. You shouldn't need a grant writer, which is what I do, right? You shouldn't need grant strategy. But there are a lot of flaws in the system. There are a lot of historical inequities in the system. And it's just constantly changing, constantly shifting to the whims of all kinds of things. Mm. And you, I mean, unfortunately, it's, uh, it's it has flaws. And so it does help to have someone to help you navigate it. Mm. Um, who's just like seen the grants over and over and seen what, what sticks, what doesn't, you know, and, um, and why they introduce a particular grant at a particular time. So, mm. um, yeah. But... I agree with you very much. And it's um, like the hope and hopefully if once you once you start to get into the system and get grants working for you um, is that you can leave your work at least temporarily to sit and chill and get that experience of just like letting things meld. And that's 
in an ideal world, what those grants do, mm. um, especially some grants from the Canada Council, like people overlook them, but those research and creation grants for artists, they're there for you to just kind of research and create, you know, <laughs> and, and, and like integrate and just, you don't have to have um, something, you know, a whole tour that comes out of that or a whole album that comes out of that. It's, uh, it's there to give you some time, mm. you know, and I think some funders do recognize that that time is uh, hard to come by and very important for great art. So, I mean, you play cello and then you find, you, you tell yourself, just gotta be something bigger. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, how did you like land in art management then and how has it been for you so far? Arts management was kind of like, oh, maybe that'll be for me. And I just took to it like a moth to a flame. Like I loved it. It made a lot of sense to me. Just the, you know, the, the legal uh, implications in the arts, uh, fundraising and development, marketing, all that stuff that goes on around it. And I, and policy, like that just, you know, if you're in government, how do you make a great vibrant society where people feel like living and, and, and feel happy and feel safe? Um, art plays a huge, huge role in that and in attracting people. And, um, and so those kinds of big picture strategies I find really interesting. Mm. Um, I bobbed around. I went. I went to Germany for a couple of years and was living there. Um, and then I got. And then I got invited to um, join an artist. His name is Jeremy Dutcher. He's an Indigenous artist out of New Brunswick, um, who had really an astronomical rise from right. you know a relatively unknown. He actually studied at Dalhousie um, in opera. And he went from being, you know, relatively unknown to his first album, won him the Polaris Prize in Juno. And uh, and he invited me, like, before all that happened, to join his band. And I was like, but I'm, a, I'm not a cellist anymore. Like, I'm <laughs> over here doing this brain stuff. Yeah. And, um, and I thought, like, I had so much imposter syndrome. I was like, he's going he's gonna to figure it out anytime now. I was, like, mm. watching the clock. He is going to figure out that I'm not a real cellist, even though I had played for 20 years. Just sidebar like classical training will do that to you it'll just mess you up and make you feel like you're yeah, no, useless because no. you know because it, you don't have you just haven't put in the legwork every single day to practice six eight hours a day you know um wait what do you do for the six hours you just play beats me <laughs> i'm serious i could never like i had people around me practicing eight hours a day in the practice room and i, and I would i would try i'd be like okay today's the day that i practice for six hours and I think I did it once. It's just, I don't know. It's just some people in life, and this goes for everything, not just music, are specialists. And right. some people are generalists. Hmm. And if you try to make yourself into a specialist when you're a generalist, it's just going to bum you out mm. and vice versa. Mm. So I think there are people who go into music who are specialists and they really, really enjoy you know, the craft of just getting every last note perfect and doing over, 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 over again. But my mind doesn't work that way. Yeah, I think I'd lose my mind. Yeah. So, because, you know, when people are like, oh, you got to rehearse for six hours, I'm saying, you just go, you get the sheets, and you play, 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 take a break, play, play, play. Fuck. I mean, I mean <laughs> that, that, kind of, that kind of training is very much like... Um, Athletics, like it, it's, it is, yeah. You, I think we are you running know, you for, train, the, training train, for the train. Olympics. Yeah, and and you just like 
can I shave off one second? You know, can I, can I, can I make this bow stroke just like that much more exquisite? And if you dig that sort of thing, it's, it's amazing. It's incredible. Mm. Um, you know, but if you're forcing yourself to try to like be that kind of person, then it's, it's a real bummer. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so, so you kind of see, you know, artists meandering and, and you have this skill set because of what you've been doing. What made you decide to start proscenium? What is proscenium anyway? So proscenium is the name of a kind of stage. And at, like, at the time I was working in opera and orchestra and everyone knew what a proscenium stage was. And, right. and now I'm like, oh, this is actually like a really weird name to spell and whatever. But um, yeah, it's just the basically the type of stage where you have a frame around the stage and then you have um, the stage behind that. So you, when you picture a curtain like at the ballet, that's usually proscenium stage. Um, so proscenium, um, because there's the word pro and scene, and anyways, it's kind of where that came from. Um, I started out just doing actually French-English translation for arts organizations and artists. That's where, that's where it was first born. Like I sort of, I find a lot of things in life go um, from the outskirts of what you're interested in and they start to spiral closer and closer to the center of where you want to be heading. So that's mm -hmm. kind of, well, for me anyway, that's how that happened. I um, started to integrate some some grant writing work and um, fund development, you know, uh, strategy and that sort of thing. And now these days I'm also doing consulting um, in like cultural policy and strategy and um and and digital strategy and that sort of thing so i'm definitely like a jack of all trades kind of person um generalist yes and i'm able to like absorb information quickly and sort of process it in it go from a to a to b to z like pretty quickly so it kind of turns into translation but in all kinds of ways not just language translation but just like idea translation and stuff like that so so um, <clears throat> it pops up and i pop up in all kinds of things I'm a, so i'm an artist or you know whatever and i'm like oh i i notice grants and then i find out about you and your company and i reach out to you what happens from there so first we chat and for me, it's it's I find it really exciting because I want to know about artists' pie in the sky dreams. Here in Nova Scotia, a lot of people don't even dare to let themselves dream big because the available resources and the available time are just like few and far between for some people. So they do what they can. Mm. And usually like the people that I meet are often working on the side of another job, if not two or three. So um, I go like, you know, if you had all the money in the world to do exactly what it is that you want to do, what would you do? And I think it's really important to pinpoint that. And a lot of people don't even have an answer to that because they've never allowed themselves to go there. So starting with that, and then identifying what it is they're working on right now mm. and what are, I call them the lowest hanging fruit, the, the most sort of direct uh, grant applications and things like that, that that match up directly with what they're doing. Um, I might go do some research. I might already have them for them. Often for individual artists, it's like a, a, the same like five or ten uh, that come up. So I make them a plan. 
and then we work the plan. And it really depends on the motivation of the artist. No uh, well, like for me, I don't <clears throat> want to just uh, take take what an artist is saying and be like, let me put all this together for you. That makes sense for artists who have a really clear vision and who are extremely busy. And that's like maybe 5% of my clients. Mm. Most of the people who approach me are like, I don't know what to do. I need money. And, I, and I'm not sure what I'm doing. So I actually call my service grant therapy rather than grant writing now because it's so much about like figuring out where is it I'm going? How do I get there? And for that, I need the artist to be in it with me. And it's not because I don't want to do the work for them. It's because it's important for them to understand where it is we're heading. Mm. So we write together. We, you know, and I ask for whatever first draft. It can be a crappy first draft, but I want to hear like how they talk about their work and what excites them. And then from there, we, we craft that into a really banging grant, grant application. Or I might look at it and be like, oh, this is actually not a match for this grant. Let's go over here. Um, you know, and then... Yeah, I mean, I've taken artists from going like, I don't understand the grant world and it sucks and I feel like I should have access to these things and I feel bad that I never get around to doing them, mm. right? Which a lot of people are in that boat. It's just like they never get around to it. Mm -hmm. Two, like I have artists who have gotten like, you know, six figures in a year in grants and they're leaving their jobs and focusing only on, on their art. And then like understanding the grant cycle so they're already applying for the next one right. and now they are i mean the, the like every artist's every canadian artist's financial mix must include grants and if it doesn't like it, it i would be very surprised that someone would be able to make a living just from making their art with ever without ever touching grants but also, even if you can, why would you? There's more money out there for what you're doing. Because people don't realize, artists don't realize the contribution that they bring to society. Mm. Just like by doing their thing. And that needs to be recognized. There's a reason that these grants exist. And it, it frustrates me to see, especially in, in Nova Scotia, that like people are just like, oh, I don't know. They throw their hands up and then they just don't plug in to this system that's there to support them and help them and and allow them to exist and allow them to flourish as artists. Mm. So it's a bummer that like people are really bewildered about grants around here. In in Montreal and in Toronto, I felt like especially in Montreal, people really understood how those grants fit into their mix and in, into their lifestyle. And I want to see more of that in Nova Scotia. And how long have you been here now? Three years. Oh okay. Okay. Um so okay. Here's the thing though. I think when you mentioned Montreal and Toronto and these places, the port is bigger, mostly, right? Okay, so I'm <laughs> I don't know how like nerdy to get about this, but there the biggest pot essentially is the the national pot, the Canada Council for the Arts. So people think that the first stop that you should go to is the closest one. So like maybe Halifax has funds for me right? Maybe HRM. And then they're like, okay, well, maybe the province has funds for me. I don't know if you've ever looked at those funds and no shade to those funds, but we're talking like $1,000, $2,000, maybe five, maybe 10. Whereas the Canada Council will give you like 50, 60,000. And 
they just have the capacity to give you like money for larger projects. And um, so one, this comes back to like, I have like three main pieces of advice. I've given you two already. The third one is start with national funders first. People always think that they should go with the smallest one first, but you should go with the biggest ones first. They have, the pot is just exponentially bigger. Mm. So it's actually harder to get money from those pots when you're in, in Toronto because Everyone in Toronto is applying for those. Right. When you're out in Halifax, they're like, oh, cool. Like someone from Atlantic <laughs> Canada. Like seriously, I've been on these juries, right? People are always, it's the usual suspects from the, the usual places. Oh. And when you're when you're representing like different art forms in different places, uh, it does stand out in a good way. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, that being said, Montreal does have really strong provincial funding. So there is that extra help. Um, and that's just, that's just, is what it is. But otherwise, like, you know, I would give the same advice to anyone across Canada to, to go with Canada Council first. So, yeah. Start with Canada Council. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's always great talking to you, but I know you have a full, full day today. I'm going to the spa. <laughs> I am. Oh my God. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I've told you this. I'm, I don't, I don't, it's not relaxing this spa thing. <laughs> you do, do you sit there just going like yeah. all the things that well this is my my worry that i'm gonna go today and be like thinking about a million things i like to go with someone like and you know chat oh but today yeah. i'm going alone so i'm gonna try to relax oh my god because like um i went to the thing the sauna mm-hmm. like what was it was it and then, and then this lady is like blowing hot air in your face with the towel i'm like I don't know where you went, but I'm not going to that one. (laughs) (laughs) What is going on here, man? Anyway, so while I I was at at the spa, I just had this idea. And I'm I'm writing this story. And it's called The Spa. And everyone that goes to the spa gets killed in the spa. Oh my! Because I was there, yeah. I was just terrified of everything. You just have a very, a very <laughs> curious, active brain that just like can't stop. So you're like, well, let me just write an right. entire play. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, so the spa. So you're going to the spa, but um, I want to let you go with this question though. Why is that important? Just a little casual question, just light, <laughs> light little final question. Um. Well, I think during the pandemic, it was very obvious that, like, we all turn to art. And we don't even realize it's the air we breathe. It's everywhere. And um, even in business, even in, like, sport, you know, you have art surrounding everything. It is what, it's such a cheesy thing to say, but it's what makes us human. Like, literally, um, you can find examples of human phenomena in animals, you know, in all, in the entire animal kingdom, except for art. There are no, I mean, I'm no scientist. There might be examples. I haven't done the, the, the research, but there are no examples uh, that I know of, of, of animals that make art. It's what make makes us human. It's part of how we create a zeitgeist and communicate and, and make sense of ourselves and find our place in the world. Um, and especially like in t- dire times like this and you know it's it's a great time to be alive and it's also the hardest time it's all of those things and mm. like art just makes it worth it so 
I mean, the yeah, that's that's what that that's why we do it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Especially during the pandemic, everyone went to some kind of art. You're right. Blanche, it's always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for coming to the podcast today. Enjoy your spa dates. And <laughs> um, thanks for also teaching me why the conductor is important because I just thought, what the fuck is the person <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.